and welcome to Hello Human, a podcast to explore ideas and feature humans working in AI and technology. Kamal Alawalia, the president at Eightfold, joins us today on the Hello Human podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in artificial intelligence and how it's being applied in the real world. I'm John Nisley, the host of Hello Human and a longtime technologist working at the intersection of business and emerging IT applications. A big thanks to Fortress IQ for sponsoring the program and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. On this episode, we're going to explore the current state and future state of turning talent into a competitive advantage for companies. People are really the backbone for any organization And it's not an accident when we talk about the golden triangle of people, process, and technology that people are first. So welcome, Kamal, to the program. As you may be able to tell, I'm excited about this conversation, so let's jump right in. First off, congratulations to Eightfold on the recent selection as the grand prize recipient of the Veterans Employment Challenge. That's quite an honor and validation of the platform. You know, although veterans are some of our most dedicated and talented individuals, that transition to civilian employment is known to be challenging. Can you tell us a bit about the Eightfold platform for folks that may not be aware and how it will help the military community specifically? Great. Thank you, John. And thank you for having us and making time for us. So thanks for the congratulations. We're actually very proud of being able to help, especially in my opinion, I think the best trained workforce in the world. And if you actually double click on the role that veterans play, it's not just while they're in the military service. Today, they do represent at least 6% of our workforce today. There are about 20 million veterans in US right now. And uh, I think we haven't done enough to make it easy for them when they transition. And the thing that we got in why reason why we got involved with this is we have built an AI platform for all talent, single platform for hiring, retention, internal mobility, diversity and inclusion, all of that. And the mission is to actually apply our expertise to provide the right career for everyone in the world. And as we got going three years ago, thing that we kept looking was, okay, how do we do it at scale? Right? So, and the thing that dawned on us was if we are going to solve this thing quickly in the next few years, we have to start with the largest employers and the largest talent pools. And veterans definitely is a very large, very capable talent pool. So when we got this opportunity to participate in this Department of Labor, Department of Defense, Veteran Affairs Challenge, that, hey, bring your best technology to bear in helping our veterans transition, it didn't take us long to actually jump into it. And what we have done is this. We have a capability matrix in our platform. And that is geared to learn from all the people in the world and all the publicly available data to understand what they are capable of doing. And it all depends on the context, right? Resumes and all that stuff is all backward looking. What people are really looking to do and what we want to use our AI expertise is allow the hiring companies to hire for potential. And with veterans, that is the problem. They are very well trained. Most of the time, they are working with technology that most of us won't even see for another decade. And then all the soft skills that people ask for, leadership skills, 
ability to perform under pressure, ability to actually work in ambiguous environment, and this entire year is the as ambiguous as it gets, right? This is the workforce that is best trained to actually thrive. And yet in April, when COVID hit, 8,000 veterans transitioned straight from military service to unemployment, right? That's a travesty. And yes, everybody's suffering, but that's what we want to do to help. So when we go back to the capability matrix, what we have done with our data-driven platform is that we should be learning from all the skills and capabilities that are out there. Focus more on learnability, not just what you've done in the past. Understand the context and evolve with time so that you are accounting for the latest, greatest things. And then with veterans in particular, there are two tracks to solve. One is, of course, understanding what they have done when they were serving in the military. And a lot of that, some of it is captured in their military occupation codes. Some of that is in, is in their VMAT, which is essentially their equivalent of the resume. But then there are two things there. One is translating what they know into a civilian role. But then a lot of, have, a lot of them have very different aspirations. So it's not like they want to continue doing what they were doing in the military service versus whether it was logistics or transportation or anything else or IT services. So in that case, we are actually looking to provide them the opportunity. And when I was in one of the sessions, one of the veterans actually wanted to actually perform, pursue a career in performing arts in Florida. A few of them wanted to actually go back to school and learn new things. A couple of them wanted to become state troopers, one in New York, I think one in Chicago. Another one actually wanted to move to a different part of the country. So all of these combinations we should be able to account for, and with AI we can. So net of it is what we are building with them and why I think we were chosen was a very intuitive and easy way for veterans to find a career of their choice. And if they want to pursue a career of which requires them to learn new things, give them a solid career path so they can get there and essentially make it easy so that this transition should not be filled with anxiety. It should be filled with promise and confidence. That's essentially what we're looking to do for veterans. That's great. Congratulations again on the recognition. I spent some time at the Defense Department's Joint AI Center and talent management was definitely an area of interest. So it will be great to watch Eightfold's contribution in the coming years. You know, turning to a topic that's been top of mind for many this year, I want to explore kind of social justice and Eightfold's potential to address diversity and inclusion challenges. You know, each week there seems to be a new story about someone being, you know, rejected a half dozen times from an organization until they disguise their, their gender or ethnicity. You know, can the platform help remove, you know, that bias and provide greater accountability? And, you know, do you have any real world examples that you can share with us? Absolutely. I'll share a few. And by the way, what we were talking about a few minutes ago about how to hire for potential and how to use the capability matrix, that essentially is the only way to solve for diversity and inclusion. Because if we keep looking for people who have already done it before, Clearly, we haven't given enough opportunities to people of diverse backgrounds and people who don't have the same privilege as we have had, right? And this applies to pretty much 
every segment. In fact, it applies even more so to women in particular because our whole system is stacked against them. And the way to get out of that is, one, when people are applying, we have to look at the whole thing holistically. No one is asking us to do them a favor. No one wants that. All they want is a fair shot, right? And that's the equal opportunity part. So our algorithms don't take into anything into account, whether it's sex, background, ethnicity, pedigree, any of those things that factor into the match score when an individual is being compared to a particular job. So that when we are presenting that, okay, these few people are a great fit for this role, it is only based on what they're capable of doing. Then we can even help the company create better job descriptions that are all geared for what you're trying to do versus leaning one way or the other. And because we comply, our algorithms comply with equal opportunity algorithms, all these things are taken into account. So even though a company's data set may still be skewed towards one side, we are able to actually course correct. They're right there. Secondly, when you're creating the job description, you're able to see that what does my talent pool surface? How many people would fit this profile? Who is likely to respond? And how many of these people are of diverse background? So if you're asking for requirements that skews the talent pool against a particular diversity segment, you can do the course question right there. And I'll give you a simple example of all the data scientists who know R only 30% are women. And of all the data scientists who know Python, only 15% are women. So if you write a job description and the hiring manager say, I want to have hire someone who knows both R and Python, by definition, you have stacked the deck against women. You'll only have at best 10, 15% representation. And invariably, it's one out of nine, right? So highly likely that you'll hire someone else. And then one or two years later, we look back at the group and say, hey, how come there are no women here? Right? So those are the things, it's all data-driven because we bring a global data set to you so that you know whether such people are out there or not. If they are out there, then we make it easy to find them. Then the second part is really addressing the, how do we widen the talent pool? Because a lot of our customers are actually taking those steps. One of them actually went back and looked at how many people had applied from Harvard University, right? Not Harvard, the Harvard University, and uh, turns out 700. So there were plenty of candidates available who would fit the profile. Then some of our customers have actually improved their diversity from 18% to 33% for women. And one of our customers, Micron, has recently been sharing that they are able to identify the ethnicity background of for 77% of the candidates. So that enables them to take affirmative action if they choose to, but at least become more and more diverse. And even other groups, other customers have actually seen 90% reduction in time to discover and engage with underrepresented candidates. So in all aspects, the number one excuse that is often used is that we looked, but we couldn't find enough capable people of diverse background. We want to use our AI to show that, no, you didn't know how to detect the potential and we are here to help you. So if, if your intent is there, we want to make sure that you can find the diversity candidates that you want to bring in and make your workforce more inclusive. 
And the last thing I'll share on this one is on career sites, when we use our matching algorithm, we also bring the transparency. So here people don't have to figure out on their own on which job is a good fit for them. But we are able to tell them that you're a great fit for these two or three roles and here's why. That allows them to apply with confidence and we are seeing tremendous uplift, 30 to 50% improvement in diversity applicants applying to the right roles where they are likely to be a great fit. So that's changing the dynamics for our customers who want to solve for diversity, but earlier systems or technologies were simply not able to do that. And we are absolutely loving the opportunity. And unfortunately, it's always because of these adverse news items that come up and how individuals are being targeted, et cetera. But we're hoping that this time people stick with it and actually make a difference. And I think we are seeing more and more companies actually stepping up. And and I think having that information and that transparency enables those companies to, to sort of stand up and, and do the right thing, which is great. You know, the other sort of major shift that we're seeing this year, obviously, with the workforce is the transition to remote work, which, you know, is, is appearing to be more and more permanent, you know, trend that we need to to adjust for. You know, as a, as a leader in that talent management space, you know, what's your expert opinion on this issue is is remote work here to stay or in you know two three years are we going going to be back to the traditional office environment who benefits is this a is this an employee benefit employer do both sides of the equation benefit from the transition to remote work i think covid unfortunately will change a lot of things and accelerate a lot of things because what we are seeing is very clearly that all of us are being forced to work remotely right so even though we thought that this is not the way to work. We are all seeing that, yes, you can get stuff done. Second problem that's emerging, unfortunately, and we see this and I think we have all gotten used to enjoying it. Now, kids are also at home. They're also learning if they're younger, they need retention. So even if you have both the parents working, that's hard to juggle both the school and the work. If you're a single parent, you have my best support wishes because it is so difficult. And what that's leading to is, yes, kids will go back to school, right? So they also need their environment. But I think some of these things are requiring us to step back and think very differently. I do see a couple of very clear opportunities here. One is that we will cast a much bigger fishing net because the talent is there, right? We'll all get adjusted. We can hire in cities where we never went in before because we didn't think uh, they were close enough or we didn't have an office there. Well, guess what? We don't need an office in every city or wherever people are. So as long as talent is available, it'll allow us to actually cast the net a lot wider. Secondly, if that leads to 5, 10, 20% improvement or increase in your talent pool, then you need AI to go through that very quickly to figure out who are the best people to bring in. So you don't need to actually be doing anybody a favor. You simply have the ability to hire from more diverse backgrounds. Now, McKinsey did a survey with us using our data on how to help people who did not finish a four-year college on how to get them on a career path so that they are making more money than they've done in the past. And the key to that is identifying what enabled them to succeed in the past and then providing them more and more opportunities to get into such roles. 
right? So using again AI and data to provide better opportunities to others who are not presented, that essentially reflects this in the uh, remote work. Then the third element is how it helps the company. Maybe you are now back to thinking in terms of running multiple shifts or hiring people for specific time zones. And as long as people are interested and willing to work different hours, you can continue in hiring them according to that. And that, by the way, has happened with call centers. And a lot of companies that used to run these in offshore environments or in Eastern Europe or other parts of the world, the math was that to run a 24 by seven call center, you need essentially 5.4 people for every role. And that would give you enough staffing to have a fully manned role or properly staffed role, right? To account for holidays, vacations, sick leave, all of that stuff. So some of that rejiggering of how we think in terms of our workforce is needed. Then the other element is, do we have the managers who know how to manage a remote workforce? That oftentimes is not a requirement. Some have done it, some have not. But now that becomes a necessary part. That if you're going to be leading a team, you need to know that some of them will be remote and could be anywhere. So I think the COVID is actually having us rethink. And I'll give you another example that event recruiting or going to campuses to hire uh, for early talent. Guess what? That's not available, but a lot, lot of the companies are still running their business. With our stuff, you can run virtual career fair. You're not limited to just being just going to 30 universities. You can go to all of them, get all the resume books in, see who you want to talk to, schedule the interviews, and actually, again, instead of being limited, it's giving you more opportunity to hire from colleges that you never went to. So I think this is forcing everyone to step back and think, how do I leverage this? Yes, it's not comfortable. And clearly we need to get past the health crisis and then the unemployment crisis. But I think it's here to stay. I think things will get better because it'll force us to accelerate everything. Certainly my son can attest to the challenges of remote school and hopefully we can we can get the children back safely into the school soon. But uh, no, appreciate those comments. Talking with with business leaders and a lot of the organizations that I work with, uh, you know, there seems to be transformation fatigue that's starting to settle in a little bit. You know, I see more and more <laughs> eye rolls when the transformation word gets mentioned. Some people say, "Hey, don't even don't even bring it up. It's 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 not going to go anywhere." You know, that said, HR and talent management, in my mind, still seems very ripe for transformation especially given the advancements in automation technology that can shift human work from, you know, low value to higher value activities, you know, increase productivity, you know, increase that employee experience. You know, in some ways, I think the pandemic may have increased awareness, but you hear all these dire predictions about, you know, robots taking everyone's job. Um, you know, I personally don't buy into that vision and think, you know, worker augmentation should be seen as, as a net positive. You know, what's what's sort of your worldview on the impact of AI on the on the future of work? I love how you have phrased it, worker augmentation, because the key here is I think what will come up is the a better balance between the stuff that can be automated and can be done by someone, basically a machine 
And oftentimes, a lot of this menial work or repetitive work is not the fun part of anybody's job. So if some of the stuff can be automated, we should absolutely automate it. The second thing, <laughs> I like how you phrased it, that is a transformation fatigue. The thing that's emerging for us is a lot more focus on people and employees. Because before this, there was a lot of this thing, hey, we'll just go out and hire. But now as more and more people are being forced to rethink their business, and there is more need for digital skills and data scientists and all of that stuff, people are realizing that it's not like all these people, the market is littered with that talent. So let's focus more on the employees. And what we have been focused on is how do we get the reskilling, upskilling going? How do we help companies foster and build a culture of learnability so that people are always looking forward to doing stuff? And the thing that a lot of our customers are saying is that, look, it's not just classes because most companies have subscribed to a lot of classes. But most people, when they're in a job, they learn 70% of their new learning comes from actual experience. About 20% comes from people and mentors, and only 10% comes from taking a class. So what we are using with our AI platform is how do we provide a marketplace or talent marketplace or a project marketplace where the company can post projects. But the important part is how do we get some of the rock stars to participate? And how do we find the experts so that we start building this self-service environment where people want to be appreciated, they want to learn more, or they want to learn from others who are recognized in the companies as being experts. So how do we create that environment? And we are now seeing tremendous success with a lot of our customers, where both internal mobility, reskilling, employees wanting to learn new things, and then how to work together as a team. And this thing is manifesting itself in a lot of use cases. For example, when you're doing an M&A, you're going to bring two companies together. You want to actually preserve the best talent on both sides and how to bring them together so that they start working together, integrated as a single team. So the project marketplace is a great way to do that. Secondly, we've also run hackathons now. And our first one during COVID was actually across three continents was very successful. And the fun part was that everybody even got to vote on the projects. So by default, they were picking the things that were interesting and things that were not interesting. So there's a lot of simple ways of actually personalizing the experience. And what we are doing a lot is how to change the user experience. So one, the person is feeling empowered, the individual and the employees feeling empowered that, hey, if I want to explore other opportunities within the company, how do I do that? So to me, it is transformational, but I have no issues if we don't use that word and simply say this is all about empowering the individual to pursue a career of their choice within the company, right? And focus on learnability, applause everyone that's learning new skills and building new strengths and get it to be aligned with the company direction. When you do that, it is magical. We won't use the transformation word. Let's use the word magical because that's what it is. What do you think? I think that's a great point to end on. To recap today's conversation with Kamal Alawalia, the president at Eightfold, uh, certainly one of the market leaders in the emerging technology-driven talent management space, really helping companies gain incredible insights into their employees and candidates. 
you know, employment really is the backbone of our society and everyone deserves the right job. We heard about the exciting work Eightfold is doing to support our veterans. And today you really get the job based on who you know and not necessarily what you're capable of doing. You know, tomorrow, thanks to companies like Eightfold, AI-enabled technology will really transform how high-performing companies can acquire and manage talent. So thank you, Kamal, for joining me today. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to make any closing comments or provide any final insights, but I also have, you know, one final question for you. I am a bit of a information junkie and always looking for the, the latest and greatest resources. So my question to you is, you know, what resource, you know, website, newsletter, podcast, email blast, anything at all, do you rely on most to be successful and knowledgeable in your role? Apple News is what I rely on every morning. And uh, funnily enough, even Google Alerts. So I'm trying to actually get off the social media and somebody else determining what I should be looking at. And But the other part is, I think uh, the last two years, the content that's interesting to me is changing and is becoming more and more focused on the individual. How would people learn, right? So And so it's very different. It's more about how to influence change management, because we are seeing a tremendous opportunity to get people to think differently. So I think that's more than anything, that's what I'm looking for. And I'm interested in learning more and more about. So I think my sources have uh, are different now than they used to be. That's great. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Apple News myself, and I get a lot out of that $9.99 subscription every month. You know, for reference, my, my resource this episode that I can't miss is the first look uh, daily email from CIO. Uh, I'll date myself a bit and admit that I used to get mm. the print version of CIO magazine back in the day when we when we actually <laughs> had magazines. They actually have a great article today on low code platforms and how companies like Toyota and Conoco are uh, leveraging them to drive business value. So uh, we'll we'll be sure to put a link to all the resources uh, recommended and uh, the article announcing Eightfold's recent award as well in the show notes. That is a wrap on today's show. Thank you, Kamal, for joining me and Fortress IQ's sponsorship. I'm John Nisley, and this has been Hello Human. If you enjoyed this session, subscribe and check out our series at fortressiq.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today on Hello Human.